This podcast is offered by Black Mountain Zen on the web at blackmountainzen.org. Our public offerings are made possible by the kind donations from people like you. Occasionally in my role as a teacher at San Francisco Zen Center, I'm asked to facilitate a mediation. Maybe it's a shocking idea to some of you that Zen students would actually have difficulty with each other. <laughs> but it does happen. Um, the mediation process we use, um, which I think is not particular just to us, um, we have the two people sit down and then we say, Okay, please say how it is for you. And please uh, listen as thoroughly and deeply and completely as you can. This person says what has happened caused them pain, difficulty, upset. And we say, okay, could you uh, repeat back in summary but in detail, what you heard. And then this person says, yeah, that's most of it. You forgot this little detail about when you slammed the door. Okay. Okay, now could you tell this person how that experience, that whole thing was for you? And then this person speaks, and this person listens. And then they repeat back. And then usually it goes back and forth. Sometimes surprisingly not so many times. You know, we tend to think, oh, when two people have issues with each other, well, they're going to talk all night. Um, you know, it's more like each person has something to say that they want to be heard and they have to both find a way to say it and then experience it being heard. And then, of course, the other person has something to say that they want to be heard. And this happens. And sometimes, not all the time, as they talk, the realization, oh, oh, and that's how it was for you. That was your experience. That was what was coming up for you, and that was how you experienced my response to it. And then sometimes, marvelously, when it goes well, you can just watch the two people soften. It's like the, the, the tension, the electricity that they had, br they brought into the room and as they had sitting facing each other, it softens and there's empathy. 
there's understanding, there's connection. And sometimes it goes really well, and and they actually hug, and you know, in some somehow this process of separation has brought an intimacy, a connection, a warmth. And then you can think, what a great job I did as a mediator. <laughs> And then sometimes it doesn't go like that. Um, one person hears the other person's truth, and you, you can watch and notice it didn't quite soften them. It's like, hmm, uh, you know, and they repeat it back, and they forget quite a bit of it. It's like. Because the interesting thing is, if you're busy retelling yourself your side of the story, you can't hear the other side of the story. You're too busy. And then it's like, oh, I didn't hear what you said. Or there is a difficulty accepting it. You know? And you can almost hear it in the tone of the voice. You can hear that it was harder for them to stay in contact and repeat back. And then usually they get to a place, it's more like, well, okay, you know? I'm, I guess that's okay. <laughs> Maybe they shake hands, you know, because you got to shake hands at least. <laughs> this, the, the influence, the potency of connection and openness and empathy, you know, and how it's stimulated by attention, you know. We listen deeply, you know? and in a way, this is the process of awareness. You know? And in a way, we are telling ourselves a story when we're responding, when we're emoting, when we're going into something, some commentary or some, some way that our thinking is coming forth like that. You know? Can we listen deeply? You know? And it's very interesting mediation. In my experience, with this kind of mediation in particular, it's not like, okay, your five points are these. Okay, now, What's your, how are you going to refute or argue either, each one of these? You know, it's, it's not legal. It's, it, it doesn't have legal linear process. It's not a discussion about the accuracy and the rationality of each point. It, it, it moves more into um, 
how these details, subjective as they may be, how they're held in a the disposition, the emotional quality of it, and and often when you when you watch, this is what the person wants to have acknowledged. You know? I, and you're telling me that that was really hurtful for you when I did that. Yes, it was. It was really hurtful. Hmm. I didn't know that. Hmm. Something gets acknowledged and softens. You know? And then very interestingly, in the process of awareness, attending deeply to our own experience, something similar can happen. Huh? And something similar that we can feel a shift. And it's not because we figured out some issue in our life, you know? It's not because we went through the particulars and sorted them all out, you know. Made a to-do list in our head and said, this strategy will take care of everything. You know, it, it's the deep listening, the, the connecting, and, and how those, that particular experience has become entwined with a disposition feelings, memories, images in our being. And yet before the two people talk and touch and engage, um, the story about it and the feelings that support the story are paramount. That's like the most important thing about the whole thing. And in a way, this is about our life too, you know? And then we engage awareness and um, we, we, we face this interesting challenge and opportunity to meet deeply what's happening for us. And believe it or not, that is my intro to today's Paramita, which is Virya. Um, effort, diligence, persistence, energy. It's like in the mediation, the energy is invested in hurt and the story about hurt and the emotions that arise from hurt. And in the connecting, it's like there's a shift and the energy shifts. You know? 
sometimes when, when you're with two people and the difference and the intensity is very strong. You can literally feel the charge. You can feel it in the tone of the voice. You know? And then when it shifts, you know, oh, really? You can feel the softness. And, and and just as in our medit in our awareness, you know, of course we have ways that we come at being fully present. You know, this this is the nature of our practice. And and yet these techniques, these strategies take us so far, you know. At a, at a certain point we we give over to now. We give over to the experience. Huh? And, and I would hope this image, especially if there's something persistent coming up for you. You know, it's not unusual when we settle, we unsettle. You know, we, we start to have more awareness and more contact. And guess what? There's space for an availability for things that are difficult for us. Can, can we um, listen deeply? You know, you might think, well, if I listen to that story, it'll go on forever. Yeah. You know, you might, well, if two people sit down and they have animosity towards each other, they're going to talk forever. If they don't listen, pretty much they'll talk forever. Yeah. They'll keep saying the same thing, the same way we do in our own mental processes. It often occurs to me that we will keep saying it until we fully hear it. It's like we're saying to ourselves, you know, you haven't quite listened. I'm going to say it again. <laughs> and let's see if you hear it this time. Nope, you didn't. I'll wait a few minutes and then I'll say it again. And so one aspect of virya, the, the, the persistence, the diligence, you know, this is the nature of karmic life. And this karmic life grooves into our being its patterns. And those patterns create the tendency for repetition. We repeat. And and they, so we come to be present, to be open, to be available, to not have an agenda. But the urgencies of our karmic life uh, haven't agreed to it. You know, <laughs> they have a story to tell. <laughs> they they 
and, and they want an audience. <laughs> and if you're not listening, they'll repeat it. <laughs> Maybe louder. <laughs> so this kind of patient diligence, you know, this aspect of virya, you know, like, okay, notice, experience, release, breathe in, or breathe out, wherever you are in the cycle. So it's very helpful to have a constancy of engagement. And it's helpful within that constancy of engagement that it has these qualities. If it's harsh and demanding, uh, part of you is going to rebel. It, it's going to start thinking, what if I was in Hawaii on the beach? You know? <laughs> Catching some beautiful waves or just lying there, not a single part of my body hurting. <laughs> If if we make the environment of awareness, you know, unattractive, guess what? It it's going to diminish our inclination to to stay within that. So we hold these kinds of images that I'm trying to present, and you know, we all have our own version of what quickens our intention. I will engage like this. And I mean it. I'm sincere. <coughs> and then hopefully, skillfully, that links to engagement in the body and the breath. Because as we start to move into experiencing, just the thought is not sufficient. It, it, as the f sensations and the feelings arise, they, they will have more authority than just an idea. So, so we, we bring our intention into our body. We, we bring the diligence into our physicality and into our breath. It's like it helps to ground us, to root us, to create that basis. And, and they're both wonderful guides because um, if you treat your body roughly, uh, it will complain. when the body, um, let me show you a little exercise. If you put your fingers up like this and just lightly touch them and then close your eyes and, and just as best you can become aware of 
the contact between your fingers. And see, can you reduce it to where they're just barely touching, but you can still have an experience of touch. And then with your eyes closed, still, move your fingers about half inch apart. And then with your eyes still closed, slowly and deliberately bring them back to that delicate touch. I hope you could feel in that, that when we bring a certain kind of gentle attention to the sensation of touch, it enlivens. You know? Something's stimulated and enlivened. The yogic part of posture is to discover this, this way of being in the body. Huh? That there's like an energy, an energy that responds to um, attention. There's an energy that responds to contact. And then there's a way in which this energy responds right in the medium of our emotions, our understandings. You know, when we hear the other person say uh, something that's meaningful for us, that's relevant. It's evocative of our emotions. And, and they can soften and open, and it's, you know, as we say, our heart opens. You know, so it's, so in this medium, and then in another medium, in the very medium of just tactile touch, in, in, in the sensation in the body. And that brought to my mind, I hope this will make, maybe I don't want it to make sense, but maybe it'll give you a feeling. Uh, Galway Canal wrote this poem, and he, 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 the, f the image he's using is reteach each thing its loveliness. Yeah. The bud stands for all things, even for those that don't flower. For everything flowers, 
from within of self-blessing. Though sometimes it's necessary to reteach a thing its loveliness, to put a hand on its brow of the flower and retell it in words and in touch, it is lovely until it flowers again from within of self-blessing. So, can we, um, in the midst of the turmoil of our habituated responses that are rising for us, that have become embodied, that have worn their grooves in our mind, that have um, become patterned habits of our emotions, can can we with our intention can we with with the breath with returning to physical sensation can we start to embody this uh generous sentiment you know that we hear to listen and attend deeply to the workings of the self, to the workings of others, to the signs, the sights, the smells, the tastes, the touch. Yeah. It's like each time we come to sit, you know, it's, it's so easy and tempting have a strategy for sitting. Okay, here's what I do. And and it has a certain mechanical dimension to it. And then we're just boring ourselves, you know? You know. We sort of do it because it's boring or something in its mechanical nature doesn't touch our heart. Each time we sit down, can the vow of practice, can we remember it? Now why is this worthy of a week of my life, given all the other things? Why is this worthy of this physical discomfort? It's like we, we're inviting not just tender touch, but we're inviting an effort commitment and involvement that's inviting immersion. And 
part of this, you know, we can think about it like this now. And, you know, this is helpful when we find, you know, these are my words. Hopefully you'll find your words. And, but more interestingly, hopefully you'll find your feelings. You know, you, you'll find the sentiment that evokes, that, that stirs up. You know, it's when we're enthusiastic, there's an interesting kind of energy, you know. When we're doing it because we should do it, it's like we could tell you all great stories about why it's a good thing to do, but we should be doing it. <laughs> And the challenge for us is to get in touch with ourselves more intimately. Not that we always can. You know, this is just the truth of practice. But then, what we have drawn in through the continuity of practice can be a resource. You know, is you start to align the body with the breath, with the heart, with the mind. It's like, oh yeah, right. You know, start to reconnect. Can we breathe in a way that reconnects the vow? Can we breathe in a way that's compassionate? It's patient. It doesn't need to cling to a fixed outcome. And and the process of virya, you know. In some ways, it's foolish to not, to think that the persistence, the commitment, the diligence are just extra, you know? Um, I would say our habit energy is too strong. You know? It's too compelling. The hurt that we want to say and have listened to is too urgent. So this persistence. Okay. Let's sit again. No. Let's start over. Let's rediscover. And it, it's interesting, just as in mediation, you know, part of the magic of mediation is two people come in and you look at them and you think, but these two people are friends, you know? They've been friends for years. They like each other. <laughs> and, and then when they reconnect, you know, the shift and the energy flows into intimacy and connectedness. 
Why are our stories so urgent? Because we care. You know, why do we upset each other so much? Because we care. It, it, it's not that our experience lacks caring. It, it's just that um, protective mechanism, a, an aversion has arisen. So we, we sit and when that comes forth, it's like, oh, this is today's teacher. This, this can be a lesson in how pain and difficulty turns into aversion. This, is a, this can be a lesson in how survival, protection, is about contraction. You know? And this is in our body, in our emotions, in our attitudes, in our recounting of life stories. And the wonderful aspect of practice, and, and sometimes the amazement of practice is when we open to it, you think, oh, and then I, if you want to hear everything that's wrong with my life, I'll be talking forever. When it opens, um, something supportive comes forth. Maybe as Galway Canal says, we reteach each thing its loveliness with self-blessing. We offer compassion and patience. And the energy um, flows. You know, it's a different phenomena. You know. And, and difficult as it is to persevere with skillful effort in the midst of mental and emotional, it's also similar in the midst of uh, physical difficulty. Yeah. The request is to make contact and to soften into immersion in the experience. And that's difficult when the experience is painful. That there's a physical aversion to pain. We contract. And the breath can be our ally. Can the body swell and receive the inhale? Can the body release with the exhale? Like a sigh. Mm -hmm. 
And we studied this breath after breath. Huh? Sometimes we study it on our cushion, and then sometimes when we're walking, when there's more spacious ease in the body, can we discover the subtle yoga of breath? How it can open, release, stimulate. How it can infuse the body with a vitality that, that helps it to be experienced more like field of energy than just anatomical parts. Not to say we set that as a goal, can it teach, can it offer us something about the disposition of listening deeply to physicality? Can it teach us something about how the breath and the body can be an ally and a foundation for the complexities that can arise in the human condition. Yeah. And they do, and they will. Yeah. In the second half of Galway Canel's poem, so he takes this beautiful abstract notion the bud stands for everything, even for those things that don't flower. For everything flowers from within of self-blessing. Though sometimes it's necessary to reteach a thing its loveliness, to put a hand on its brow of the flower and retell it in words and in touch, it is lovely, until it flowers again from within of self-breathing. And then the image he uses is of a pig. As St. Francis put his hand on the creased forehead of the sow and told her in words and in touch blessings of earth on the sow. And the sow began remembering all down her thick length from the earthen snout all the way through the fodder and the slops to the spiritual curl of the tail. From the hard spininess spiked out from the spine down through the great broken heart to the sheer blue milken dreaminess spurting and shuddering from the fourteen tits into the fourteen mouths sucking and blowing beneath them the long, perfect loveliness of the sow. Um, can our vow, can our intention touch us? No, can it... Uh, let something in us grant permission to who we are and what we are and what how we are. You know? 
you know, the, the, the process of attention, awareness. It's so interesting, the factors, you know. And uh, this one. You know, some practices, the, the diligence, the persistence, is what creates the energy. You, know? you, you keep applying with vigor. The CM root is virya. You keep applying with vigor, and that's the intimacy of connection and there's energy. Um, and then that energy facilitates this more open awareness. But, th- but this approach, if softening and accepting the myriad manifestations of karmic life, then awareness is invited in. Uh, And compassion and patience seem like, um, well, how else would you respond to suffering? What else makes sense? And then um, the energy part of it can start to um, become evident. We can start to see when a story arises and you give it attention and energy, it becomes more energized, it becomes more real. It becomes more evocative of emotions and associated thoughts and memories. And then rather than try to squelch that or wrestle control of it, can we just see, can we soften the drive the way it's being involved in? Can we breathe the whole story in like we breathe in the breath? Can we release with the exhale? Granting ourselves permission not to be held in that pain. Can we listen deeply to the story? Can we listen deeply to its somatic aspect too? So it's not a rejection, it's more, it's it's more awareness and energy goes to noticing awareness of the story then goes into the story. When the energy goes to awareness, rather than into the story, 
the story doesn't become surreal. It becomes more the play of the moment. It becomes less about there and then and more about, hmm, look at what's arising. And when there's awareness of the story, it's almost like we can see the story, feel the intensity of it, the character of it. And then we can watch, we can watch the difference. Sometimes inside the story, the story is reality. Sometimes awareness of the story, and the story is just part of the tapestry of now. It's, it's, it's just another attribute of the mandala of this moment. And, and when there's awareness in the body and the breath, it supports this meeting the arising thought with awareness. And almost all of us need to mess around with this process. You know? Almost all of us need to turn it into an issue of control, uh, or whatever else we want to do with it, to or tr- try too hard, or whatever we want to do, to sort of find this persistent but gentle approach. So that too, you allow yourself to be in learning mode. Okay. Oh, I got all caught up in that for the last however many minutes. It was like I went into a waking dream. And sometimes you come out of it and you feel depleted. You know, ah, you know. It's like I was sitting there and I was like doing pretty good. And then I went into that troublesome story, and now my body's kind of heavy and achy, and I kind of was thinking I might leave the retreat. (laughs) It's not really working. (laughs) And and, um, and I want it to be dinner time. I'm fed up sitting, (laughs) you know. Is and just can we watch that as an energy play? You know, like with, when the awareness is in the body, um, it sustains body. It 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 can sustain um, a disposition of engagement, and when it leaks out they can leak out too. And what do you do? You start over. It, it's just the, the, the play of practice. That's how it is. 
no? You start over. Um, if you can just start over with another breath, fine. If you need to do some walking meditation, fine. If you're really depleted, um, maybe you need to take a nap. You know? But let it all be a teacher. Let it all teach you skillfulness with working with yourself. Okay. This is how it is for me. This is how to work with me. Yeah. And and looking at it in the context of energy, you know, it helps us to not be so committed to the usual way of relating to the story. Yeah? Now, it's, it's not to say, oh, well, our stories are just a kind of nonsense. No, they're not nonsense. They're, they're, they're very... Um, they're how our life uh, comes into being. You know? Their urgency, their repetition is because they are significant within our being. Yeah. But this way of, of seeing them from a different perspective c can offer something. It can offer a different way to relate. And the energy can um, the energy can start to flow. And and the kind of deeper seated need to hold the world the world according to me in place to confirm it and affirm it, um, loosens up. It's like when awareness is strong, the need for it to be a certain way starts to soften. You know? Just watch those moments while you feel present. And notice that there can be less need for it to be a certain way. You're just walking and you don't need to get anywhere. No. You're lined up for a meal and you don't need to get there quickly. It's just, okay, I'll get to the head of the line when I get to the head of the line. Those moments are instructive. You know? Those moments teach us the experience of liberation. You know? It's not that we make up great ideas about them. It's like we soak them in. This is um, the joy of practice. Somehow, in the midst of all our stuff, we do have our moments.
and for that I have another poem which I'm sure some of you know Billy Collins aimless love and if you haven't heard it before well I think you're in for a treat this morning as I walked along the lakeshore I fell in love with a wren and later in the day with a mouse the cat had dropped under the dining room table and in the shadows of the autumn evening I fell for a seamstress still at her machine in the tailor's window and later for a bowl of broth steam rising like smoke from a naval battle this is the best kind of love I thought without recompense without gifts or unkind words without suspicion or silence on the telephone. The love of a chestnut, the jazz cap, and one hand on the wheel. No lust, no slam of the door. The love of a miniature orange tree. Clean white shirt, hot evening shower, the highway that cuts across Florida. No waiting, no huffiness, no rancor, just a twinge every now and then for the wren who had built her nest on a low branch overhanging the rut with water, and for the dead mouse still dressed in its light brown suit. But my heart is always propped up in the field on its tripod, ready for the next arrow. After I carried the mouse by the tail to a pile of leaves in the woods, I find myself standing at the bathroom silk, gazing down affectionately at the soap. So patient and soluble, so at home in its pale green soap dish. I could feel myself falling again as I felt its turning in my wet hands and caught the scent of lavender and stone. So practice isn't all awful. <laughs> you, you don't have to be suffering <laughs> to be practicing. <laughs> so, especially, you know, now we're in the throes of, of the retreat. Um, it's okay to fall in love with the sign of the rain, the person so diligently and mindfully putting out the food, the Buddha had in the corner of the walking meditation room. collective silence and stillness as we patiently stand in line to eat. Mm. There's that too. No. And it's the joy of practice. It's the energy of practice. It's where in the meeting the animosity falls and something deeply connects. 